So, as we said before, we're continuing uh, the priorities conversation. And so, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Jay, Charles, and myself were on this stage, and we talked about our vision and our values and the priorities that we were going to invest in strategically to accomplish that vision. Uh, and what we said during that time uh, was that our vision is to continue what Jesus started. And we want to do that in the setting of our values, connect and impact. As we connect with God and he impacts our lives, we are to connect with others and impact the lives of others. And so we're really excited about that. And if you did not hear that a couple of weeks ago, if you weren't here or if you didn't watch it online or through the app, uh, we encourage you to make sure that you go onto our website or go onto the app and listen to that because it's what we're going to be doing going forward over the next couple of years. And today we want to kind of talk about that a little bit. Jeremiah talked a little bit last week about our regional partnerships and our community gatherings, and he's doing that in Quakertown today. And I talked uh, about what I talked about, I'm going to talk about today in Quakertown last week, so we did a little bit of a swap. Uh, And so we wanted to make sure that we were focusing a little bit more on some of those priorities. But before we kind of do that, before we jump into that, I need to kind of tell you a little bit of a story that happened to me a couple weeks ago, uh, because it was a little awkward. It was a little awkward, i got to be honest with you. Uh, So a couple weeks ago... I went down to Florida. I flew down with John Stute, Jen's husband. Uh, We flew down on Monday, and we came back Tuesday evening, and we went just for those two days, and we went and saw three spring training games. Never done that before. It was always a desire of mine. I always wishing and hoping that I could do something like that. And so we flew into Orlando, and we then drove to Lakeland and saw the Tigers play the Astros. Just so we're clear, there was no garbage can banging at all. We were good. Then we drove down to Tampa, saw the Yankees uh, play the Pirates, and then we drove down uh, to Fort Myers and saw the Red Sox play the Orioles. It was amazing. I've never done, it was once in a lifetime. It was great. But while we were down there, something awkward happened. So here's what happened while we were down there. We were at the Tampa game. We're watching the Yankees. And John Stute leans over to me, and he looks down at the field, and he says, Dude, those forearms look like Eric Kratz's forearms. And I'm like, dude, that is an awkward statement. For those of you who don't know who Eric Kratz is, he's a, a baseball player. He's played for many teams, played on the Phillies. Uh, he's from here locally. He's actually from Telford. Uh, and so I look at him, and I'm like, dude, that is a very weird statement. And he's like, no, no, those, those forearms look like Eric Kratz's forearms. I said, first of all, you should just never say that again because it's weird. Second of all, it's even more weird because that is Eric Kratz. And he's like, no, it's not. He's not playing anymore. He is the third catcher on the Yankees. That is Eric Kratz. That statement was weird, and it's even more awkward because you actually recognize this dude by his forearms. <laughs> Who does that? Nobody does that, right? I mean, like, you look at someone, you're like, that person looks like so-and-so. Like, a, you know, like, that's what we do, right? That person looks like so-and-so. Not those forearms look like so I don't go up to you and say, that pinky toe over there. I recognize that pinky toe anywhere. We don't do that, right? That's kind of strange. We look at the whole person. We don't kind of just focus on that and just, we focus on the whole person. I was thinking about that, and then I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? Unfortunately, though, that's sometimes how we deal with church. We focus on one part, and we only kind of recognize one part of the church, and we lose sight of this bigger picture, this bigger picture of who the church is. But as I was thinking about that, I also thought about it, and I was like, you know what's pretty cool is that John actually recognized the person, even though he was only focused on the forearms. I think it's even 
more amazing in that at times when we have this blinded view and we only look at certain parts of the church, God still uses our faulty vision, our faulty thinking, and reveals the beauty of the entire body of Christ. And so if you've never heard that kind of image, body of Christ, we're actually going to talk about that today. Uh, it's a picture that a man named Paul wrote. Uh, he wrote it in a letter to a church in Corinth, a city named Corinth. Uh, so Paul was this follower of Jesus, and he went around to different cities, and he went around teaching the good news of Jesus. And he went and he wrote letters to different churches as well. And those letters are taken, and we put them in the Bible, and they are part of our New Testament, the second part of the Bible. Well, one of the letters that he wrote to this uh, city in Corinth is uh, about uh, all of these differences that were occurring in that city. And so what was going on was that people were going into the city, and Paul's recognizing that there's Jews and Gentiles, there's slaves and masters, there's a bunch of different people. And what was happening is that because of these differences, there was division that was occurring. And one of Paul's main themes is that there is a need for unity. And so he writes this letter. So we're going to take a look at this letter. If you have a Bible, we can turn to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be looking at chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there's different ways you can follow along. You can read the verses up on the screen. So you can take your phone or your tablet out and go to the Bible app. Uh, and read it on there. Or if you want and you don't have a Bible, grab a Bible out of the seat rack in front of you here. Uh, if you don't own one, take it home. It's our gift to you. We believe that the Bible is filled with life-changing truth, and we want you to have access to that. So if you don't have a Bible, take it home. It's our gift to you. And if you've never read it, just so you know, there's a table of contents at the beginning, so it kind of tells you where 1 Corinthians is. Uh, and if you want to kind of know how to read it, either shoot us an email, uh, give us a ring on the phone, or just come in. We'd love to talk to you about reading the Bible. But we're going to be taking a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So we get this picture, this picture that Paul is doing. What Paul is doing is he's recognizing that when it comes to the church, that the church is made up of different people. Different people from different backgrounds, different life stories, looking different, different demographics. They're all different, and when they come together, they create the church. It, it, it's kind of like a picture of when you look at history, of how America was described. 
is that people of different, um, uh, from different uh, countries and different lands would all come to America. And it would be this picture of the melting pot, and they would form the United States of America. It's, it's kind of similar to that. Paul's making this picture and saying, hey, there's different people, and they all form up the, the church just like there's different parts to a body, but it's all one body. And Paul is doing this because, again, there is division in the church. There's this game of comparison in the church of Corinth. Uh, if you look at chapter 1, you would see that there were people who were following the teaching of Paul. Or there were people who were following the teaching of Apollos, who was another teacher. Or there were people who were, teaching, who were following the teaching of Cephas, who was another teacher. And they began to compare each other, uh, compare each other to themselves. And they began to uh, have this game of comparison. And then there was this, this assignment of value based on differences. There was an assignment of value based on differences. And Paul is saying that this is not okay. The church is made up of different people. And these differences are good. And the call is for a call of unity. And what Paul calls us to be is a church that is both diverse and connected. A church that is both diverse and connected. And so he addresses two attitudes that he sees in the church. One of them he offers an encouragement. The other one he offers a challenge. The first attitude that he addresses is a group of people that live this life of, you don't need me. And he's saying one body part can't tell the other body part that because I am not you, because I am not this body part, I am not a part of the body. He's like, this is not okay. And so he encourages, you are a part of the body. And then he challenges probably the source of that first attitude. He challenges the second attitude, the attitude of we don't need you. And he says that the head cannot say to the feet, that I don't need you. That one part can't say to the other, we don't need you. He says, this is not okay. The church is to be diverse and connected. And what I find amazing is, as Paul is looking at this game of comparison, he's looking at this hierarchy of value that's developing, Paul never calls for an end to the differences. He never calls for people to be the same. What he calls for is unity in the differences. He calls for unity under Jesus Christ, under the mission that we are to continue in the beauty of those differences. And the reality is, is that differences still exist today. There are differences between those who are older and younger. Uh, there are differences between different ethnicities. There are differences between uh, those who are, are men or women. There are differences between uh, those who are impacted by disabilities and those who are not impacted by disabilities. Uh, there are differences between families that have children and families who don't have children. There are differences between those who are single and those who are married. There's differences between uh, Souderton campus and Quakertown campus. Uh, there's difference between Eagles fans and the rest of the world. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> but seriously the beauty of the church is its differences it's its diversity but only if diversity occurs without division if diversity occurs in a setting of unity it's beautiful and we are called to be a church that is diverse and connected one of the strategies that we talked about a couple weeks ago uh, when we were up here, Jay Charles and I, 
was our Sunday morning electives, and you might have heard Jay talk about it. Uh, Jay was talking about a course catalog, and uh, we're really excited about the Sunday morning electives because it gives us another opportunity for uh, just deeper and, and authentic biblical instruction. And we're really excited about it also because uh, it will be headed to Quakertown as well, and it's the first time our Quakertown campus will be having classes for biblical instruction on a Sunday morning. But another reason that we're excited about it is because it is a setting for intergenerational learning. One of the things that we are really happy about, one of the things that we're really excited about are our ABFs, or our adult Bible fellowships. Uh, they happen every Sunday, and there's great connection that's happening in there. There's great relational building that's happening there, great Bible teaching that's happening there. And so we're really excited about that, and one of our priorities going forward is continue to invest in our ABS, continue to resource them, and continue to uh, come alongside them and partner with them. But they are a little bit different than the Sunday morning electives. They're based on demographics. They're based usually on ages. Ages. And, and, and what we have realized is that that is something that is absolutely necessary for the church. But there is also a need for a setting where people from different age brackets, different uh, stages of life can come together and connect with each other and learn about the Bible. And so we're really excited about the Sunday morning electives being that. We think that it should be a setting where a high school student can walk in and feel welcomed and feel like they can connect and feel like they can be impacted by the Bible. We feel like it should be the setting where a 30-year-old student should come in and feel like they connect and feel like they are part of what's going on and feel like they can be impacted by the Bible. We feel like it should be a setting where the 70-year-old students should be able to walk in and feel like they belong and feel like they can connect and feel like they can be impacted by the Bible. And so that's one of the things that we're really excited about is just this potential for this uh, diverse church that is connected that we can do in our Sunday morning electives. And one of the other ways that we feel really strongly and are excited about that this can also occur is through our bridge disability ministries. I have to be honest, when, when I thought about our families that are impacted by special needs or impacted by disabilities, um, <clears throat> when I thought about that, I couldn't help but think about our two attitudes that we talked about earlier in 1 Corinthians. I couldn't help but think about the attitudes of you don't need me or we don't need you. You see, I have sat down with far too many families that when it comes to the church have lived out this life of you don't need me. And unfortunately, the reason that that has happened is because far too many times the church, maybe not verbally, but maybe by their actions, have said to them, we don't need you. In fact, you're not welcome. And I just want to take this time to just go on behalf of Charles, Jay, and myself on the record to say, we will not be that church. To families impacted by disabilities or those of you who have disabilities in this room, I want you to know this. We need you. Calvary Church needs you. And not only do we need you, we want you. You're one of the most beautiful examples of what a church that is diverse and connected can look like. So thank you for being here. So we desire to be a church that is diverse and connected. But we don't want to be connected for the sake of connection. We don't want to be connected so we could just simply go, oh, we're connected to this group or we're connected to that group just because we want to be the name-dropping church. We don't want to be a church that is diverse and connected, but we want to be a church that is connected 
for impact. A church that's connected for impact. And what we understand is that sometimes this can be difficult to accomplish. Sometimes, even though you desire to do something good, you might miss the mark. Let me show you a picture on the screens. This is Christine Sun Kim. Most of you probably don't recognize her at all. But many of you actually probably have seen her perform. Millions of people saw Christine perform this past February during the Super Bowl. She performed the national anthem and America the Beautiful. Now, some of you are like, no, I watched the Super Bowl. You are incorrect. Demi Lovato sang the national anthem and Yolanda Adams sang America the Beautiful. And you would be correct. Christine's son, Kim, performed the national anthem and America the Beautiful in American Sign Language. And I remember watching it and thinking, that's beautiful. That's amazing. That's so cool. Hats off to the NFL. I was so excited. I was like, this is, this is what we should be doing. And I was so excited and so pumped. Then I read an article in the New York Times about a week and a half ago. This was not bashing the NFL. It was not even criticizing them. It was actually celebrating, saying, hey, those were great intentions, but you missed the mark. You see, if you were paying attention, when Christine Sun Kim performed, she was only shown a few seconds at a time during the songs randomly. And so while that was pretty cool and awesome for me, it was pretty pointless to someone who can't hear. And the point of the article was just saying, the intentions were good, but you missed the very people you were targeting. And at first when I was reading it, I was like, oh, that's, that's a good point. And, it, and I was like, but let's settle down. Like, let's give the NFL some grace. I'm sure if you were a part of this, I'm sure if you had been there, it would be something different. I'm sure if that you had been at the Super Bowl, you would probably be feeling different. And, and I have to be honest, sometimes the New York Times, I'm judging them a little bit because, you know, hey, they're New Yorkers, and so they're probably critical. So here we go. And I'm like, I mean, come on. Like, let's. And then I noticed the author of the article. The author of the article was Christine Sun Kim herself. And her point was not to bash the NFL. She actually celebrated the NFL. She said, but your intentions were good, but you missed the mark. Her point was clear. Sometimes even though we intend to do good, our impact can be lost for the very people we are targeting. That's why for us, we believe that it's important to link impact with connect. The greatest possible setting for impact to occur is in the setting of relationship. Especially when it comes to bridge. It's going to require honest conversations. It's going to require honest feedback. It's going to require dialogue going back and forth. Because the reality is, is that we are not going to be able to do everything perfectly. We're going to mess up. Our hearts desire to do what's right. But sometimes our minds have a hard time catching up to our hearts, and we make mistakes. So it's going to require conversation. It's going to require honest feedback. It's going to require that dialogue. Because we know we're going to mess up, but we also know that we can't meet the needs of everyone and everyone's disability. That's just not possible for us to be able to do that. And so in advance, I ask for forgiveness for the times that we may hurt you, but I also ask you to know that our heart is motivated with good intentions. 
Because there is not one cookie-cutter model for special needs. There's not one cookie-cutter model for those impacted by disabilities. I was having lunch with a friend of mine, Garrett Hood. And Garrett looks over at me, and we were talking about this uh, coming Sunday, and we were talking about this message, and he was like, make sure they understand something. I said, what is that, Garrett? What do we need to make sure that we understand? He said, make sure people understand that the disability community is not just one group. Make sure they understand that we are not all the same. Just as the body of Christ is made up of different parts, the disability community is made up of different people with different disabilities, and it is a beautiful thing. And we believe that in order for the impacts to occur, it must occur in the setting of connect. It must occur in the setting of relationship. And we also believe this, that impact is not just a one-way street. We believe that impact is a two-way street. It's a two-way street. I've said this before, but it's true. Every single time I go into a bridge classroom, every time I go into your guys' class, every time I go into your class, I'm sorry that I do this, but every time I go into your class, I go in thinking I am the pastor. And I walk in wearing my little pastor, uh, little persona, maybe I should have a sticker on there that says, here, pastor. And I think that I'm going to do so much impact for you because I'm the pastor. That's what I do. But every single time I walk out of your classroom, every single time I leave you guys, the truth of the matter is, is that you have impacted me way more than I've impacted you. So thank you. I cannot imagine a church without Bridge. I cannot imagine Calvary Church without Bridge. I cannot imagine Calvary Church without your smile, Katie. I cannot imagine when I walk in and I see your smile, it reminds me to stop being so anxious and stop stressing about things that how beautiful God is. I can't imagine a church without Brooke Landis up in Quakertown. Brooke, when she sees her dad, Doug, walking across the parking lot, if you could see the freedom of joy that just explodes from Brooke when she sees her dad, if you could see the freedom of joy that Brooke has whenever she sees one of the Yoder boys, <laughs> if you could see the joy that Brooke has when the screen is lowered and Charles gets up on the screen, full disclosure, I'm a little jealous of that. I wish that I had that freedom. I wish that I had the freedom to express joy the way that Brooklyn does. I can't imagine a church without the Neps. We get three of them. You saw two, the girls singing during the worship time and the ensemble. I love watching them when they're up here. Just such an excitement in their worship. And I wish I worshiped God with that same excitement, that same energy. Guys, I just described a community with encouraging smiles, with such freedom for joy, with such excitement to worship God. Our church is more complete and better because of Bridge. And honestly, my life is more complete and better because of Bridge. 
Guys, we are connected for impact. And that happens in Bridge, and I love talking. I could talk about Bridge all day long. But that doesn't just happen in Bridge. It happens in this room. It happens in our ABFs. It happens uh, in our home groups. Relationships occur. And because of relationships, God has the opportunity to do something great in our lives. And it's even more amazing when we actually get out of our own kind of zone and start interacting with those who are different than us. One of my favorite uh, things, and this is probably why I'm so excited about the Sunday morning elective and that intergenerational opportunity. This is probably why I'm that excited. One of uh, the things that Jen and I, my wife and I love doing, my wife and I love going on double dates with Diana and Emery Ashton. Here's the thing about Diana and Emery Ashton. Well, Diana and Emery Ashton are, hold on. I gotta think of a good way to say this. (laughs) Diana and Emery Ashton have more life experience than us. A lot more. (laughs) But we have some of the most amazing double dates. Some of our favorite double dates have been with them. And the reality is, we can't keep up with them. It gets to a certain time of the night that we're like, I don't know what they're doing, but we want to go to sleep. (laughs) But you know what? We have had so much fun with them, but they have impacted my marriage, and the life of my wife and I in ways that they could not possibly understand. Not, they could not possibly realize how much of an impact they've had on us. And that happened because they took the initiative to reach out to us and say, hey, let's go out on a date. They took the initiative to reach out to us, someone different of a different group, and say, let's go out on a date. And the impact that they've had on our lives is astounding. The reality is, is that each one of us has the potential to impact someone else's life because each one of us is different. And that's the beauty of God's plan. Not only are we different, God made us that way for a specific purpose. You don't believe me? Let's go back into the Bible. Verse 18 of what we just read, chapter 12, verse 18. This verse just popped out at me as I was studying and and preparing for this message. It just was like, this is an amazing verse. Verse 18, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If part of the beauty of God's sovereign plan is that we are different, who am I to reject that? Who am I to reject that? I need to embrace the differences of those around me and be united under the mission of Jesus and united under the body of Christ. So we are to be a church that is diverse and connected, and we are to be a church that is connected for impact. And we are also to be a church that is impacted and sent. Connect and impact cannot stop at the doors of our building. Connected impact cannot be limited by the walls of our building. It has to go out. It has to go out as we continue what Jesus started. And when it does, amazing things happen. And God does amazing things. I want to share with you a story of just that. 
Take a look at this video on the screen. Josiah is my youngest son. He just turned 11 this past January. He loves video games. Uh, he's very independent. I really love spending time with him, and uh, he's just truly a blessing in my life. He is a six on the zero to 12 spectrum for autism. When he was born, we didn't know uh, he was autistic, that he had a disability. Only until he started uh, growing, getting older, did the doctors have him tested for autism. It really changed everything because the disability never goes away. And uh, it really was a difficult time um, in all our lives. Uh, his brothers, his sister, his mom, me. When I started going to the church, I was going to uh, two, two different churches at the time. Neither one of them had a disabilities ministry. And I went in a class with Josiah once and uh, became really discouraged because of how different he was from the other kids. I don't know if uh, the teachers there knew really how to deal with someone who had disabilities since they did not have any experience with that. Uh, going to church became difficult. So I prayed about it, that God would just open the door for us. And my dad actually, uh, looking in the internet, told me that there was a disabilities ministry in my area. So I Googled it and uh, Calvary Church came up. Praise the Lord, God opened the door for us here at Quakertown. Connecting Josiah with Bridge has truly been a blessing through that connection. Uh, God blessed me and enabled me to lead him to Christ. Truly goes beyond words. Josiah being in Bridge has also connected me with uh, other parents of disabled children. Be able to talk to someone who can relate to you, knows exactly what you're going through. Looking ahead uh, for Josiah, what's exciting is that he is learning about God, the Bible, Jesus, his Savior, and uh, I believe the sky's the limit. Uh, impact is uh, something I, I can't even put into words. It's uh, truly a blessing. Praise God and praise the Lord. We are to be a church that is diverse and connected. We are to be a church that's connected for impact. And we are to be a church that is impacted and sent. But how do we do that? You know, that's great. Like, that feels good. But how do we do that? How do we do that in a practical way? Well, here's all I want you to do. Go out and meet someone. Go out and meet someone new. You know, you can't connect with someone. You can't impact someone's life if you don't even know if they exist. Let's go out and meet someone. We want to be a church that provides you opportunities to do that. So maybe the way you do that is by signing up for one of our electives when they start in the fall. Maybe you do that by partnering with one of our regional partnerships. Maybe you do that by volunteering for one of our bridge respite nights. <laughs> maybe you're a high school student and you need to just contact one of the ABFs and say, hey, can I come for one day and just see how it's like and just get to meet some of you? 
Maybe you just need to go up to someone after service and say, hey, I'm so-and-so. Who are you? It's going to be okay if you do that. It'll be fine. Let's be responsible, people. Only air high fives or maybe some elbow pounds. That's about it. But go out and meet someone. Go out and meet someone new today. And for some of you, the way you're wired, let's just be honest with with this, okay, I talked about how we are, are one body but different parts and we're wired differently, we're different people. For some of you, you're hearing this and you're like, yes, let's do it. And then some of you are hearing it and be like, no, let's kill him. <laughs> let's just remember that we're different and respect our differences. But let's be united. When we are a church that is both diverse and connected, God does amazing things. So let's be a church that is diverse and connected. Let's be a church that is connected for impact. And let's be a church that is impacted and sent. Let's be that church, Calvary Church, as we continue what Jesus started. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your goodness and your love and your grace. And we thank you for your word and just teaching us that part of your beautiful plan was that we would be different that we would talk different, that we would look different, that we'd be from different backgrounds. And you would take all of these differences and you would put them together and say, that's me. That's me. God, I ask you that you would allow us to be a church that sees the beauty of our differences. That you would allow us to be a church that is courageous and connect with those who are different. And that you would impact our lives in such a way that we couldn't help but just blow past these doors and blow past these walls and do the same, whether it's in the grocery store or in our neighborhood or in our workplace, that you would do a great thing. God, we thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.